Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. We have a church here that anybody can come from any background, any situation. If they come from prison or they come from the highest places of prestige in this whole country, anybody who comes here anywhere, anywhere, any place, any country, any understanding, any brokenness, any sin, we're at a church where we say, welcome home. You're a part of us. We're glad you're here. That's who we are, the second family. The truth is, none of us are okay. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young concludes his message, Lost and Found, and gives you the good news that God is willing and able to restore you and bring you into his family, no matter where you find yourself wandering today. Stick around. The Winning Walk is just about to start. Now here's Dr. Ed Young with today's message, Lost and Found. William Blake, one of our classical poets, has in one of his presentations a picture of a little man who's standing at the foot of a ladder that goes all the way up to heaven. And the little man says, with arms extended, I want, I want. Now, the question is, what did he want? We don't know. But I think that pretty well describes so many of us. We're saying, I want. That describes Adam, and it describes so many people in the Bible. It describes a lot of us. There is a restlessness. There is a need. There is an emptiness. We're saying, I want. And we see this in the fabulous story of the prodigal son. And we see such a parallel here as what's happening right today in the world in which we live. Look at it. And then he said, a certain man had two sons, Harry and William. <laughs> and the youngest of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood and not many days after, the younger son, Harry, gathered all together and journeyed to the far country. Look at it. He says, give me. Isn't that our society? Give me. I'm entitled to that. Give me my inheritance. Give me the money that I will come when you die, Dad. And by the way, the wills were already established in that day. The older son got two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger son got one-third. Here the younger son says, give me that which I have. I want to be free. I want to run my own life. I don't want to hang around with you. I don't want to stay at home and have to live with you and that stuff-shirted brother of mine, that older brother. I want to go out and live my own life. Give me. Doesn't that sound like us? Man, you're in America. You're entitled to all this stuff. Uh, for example, now they're saying about where we're going to pay off all the debt of all of those who've gone to college. Boy, they're just overwhelmed with debt. 
Now, there's a problem there. Some of us sent our kids to school. We saved money. We sacrificed. And they worked their way through school, as I did. And now those who just went on and took a four-year curriculum and stretched it into eight years and ran up a big bill, and now they owe money for it. And those of us who worked our way through and sacrificed to send our kids to doesn't seem right fair that we pay for those who did not deserve it. But I'm entitled to it. There's an entitlement here. You know, I'm an American. I'm entitled to all of this. Give me. That's who we are. Give me. Give me. Give me. Sad, isn't it? Some of us go through life like that. I deserve. I, I have earned. I'm a part of this. I'm a part of this. Give me. That was a prodigal. That was a prodigal. Give me my inheritance. I'm a member of the Lucky Gene Club, and I didn't do anything to deserve it, but I don't want any responsibility to the Father. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. Give me freedom. And he went to the far country. Where was that? Corinth, Rome, Babylon, we don't know. Where is the far country? The far country, ladies and gentlemen, is someone who's living their life without any reference to God. Any part of my life, any part of your life with no reference to God, there we've located the far country. Oh, give me, I want freedom, independence to determine how I am to live. I want to run my own life. That started in the garden and it continues today and is pictured tragically in the story of the prodigal son. Give me a little village. About 300 people live there. And every Christmas they'd have what they call their Christmas tree entertainment. They put a big Christmas tree up in the middle of the little town and everybody knew everybody and they just drew names, exchanged presents. You didn't know whose name you'd get and they would put those presents under the tree and Santa Claus would come out and he would call the names of people. They would come and open the package and they'd discover who had given them that present, who had drawn their names. A lot of excitement, a lot of carols. But in that village, there was this nobody. There was this guy whose elevator didn't go to the top. This guy who had been through a lot of addiction. This guy who was limited in every way by background and his own capacity. He was sort of a, a nobody, but he lived there and he would do odd jobs. And he, he was just a part of the fixture of that little community. And he never participated in drawing names, giving presents. He would stand in the back and he would watch year after year. But one year, Santa went up there to the tree and pulled out this big package and called his name, Billy Aldrich. Wow. He didn't know what to think. He was frightened and timid, but he went forward and, and he got that big box and he began to put all the ribbons and put all the paper away. He opened the box and it was empty, empty box. I know a lot of people 
who have started out in life, they want to climb, they want to go, they want to get, they want to mount, and, and they push people aside, they run over folks, they step on people, and they get higher and higher, and sometimes they reach a certain degree and they find, now I've got it, and they open that which they had set their life on, and they discover it's an empty box. It happens all the time. Always, it's going to be tomorrow is when I'm going to get it together. It, it, it is tomorrow. I remember as, as a little guy to think that, boy, when I go to the first grade, I mean, I'm going to be somebody. I look forward to going to school. In the first grade, I, you know, I look forward to getting out of elementary school and being able to go to junior high. Man, I would be a junior high student. Look at me. And then through junior high, I wanted to go to high school. And boy, when I graduated from high school, man, I can go and enroll and work my way through college. I had saved and prepared for that. And when I got out of college, I would have a vocation and I would get married. And when that happened, then I'd have children. Oh, that is wonderful. Then all of a sudden you have grandchildren then that wonderful moment of the empty nest. Is there a better moment than that, parents? You don't even know. An empty nest. And then you prepare for life and you go up and up and say, well, Lord, I, I won't give me, but it's never quite all there. And you look at the story of the prodigal son, you'll be amazed to count the number of personal pronouns. I, me, 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 I, 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 empty box, give me, I'm entitled. How do we take our influence and use it for the kingdom of God in this broken world, this upside down world in which we live? Um, Esteem, female author, was speaking to a woman's club and she was introduced, and the president of the club said, we have this distinguished, best-selling New York Times author speaking to us, and she's going to talk about the problems of America and leave out all the bad stuff. Oh, the ladies applauded. Man, the problems of America, leave out all the bad stuff. That's what we want. It's all good, it's all bright, it's all marvelous. Just give me, I'm entitled. But look what happened to the prodigal. And he journeyed to the far country, and there he wasted, that's the operative word, his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there rose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want and then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the far country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Can you imagine a Jew feeding the pigs? Can you imagine that? How low can they get? And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine didn't eat. I don't know if you know much about pigs, but they eat everything. But can you imagine? He lived on the basis of what the pigs did not eat. And no one gave him anything. Wasted. That describes so many lives today. Wasted. 
thrown away, breathing air, consuming goods, a life that is wasted, a life that is not functioning, a life is not using the influence that God has given them. We're beginning this year calling on all of us in the family of God to use our influence to bring people to God, to Christ, to church, so they can experience a brand new life and come out of that far country in which so many people are now living. Come out of that far country. You see, the prodigal, I guarantee you, he did not worship. He did not look to God except when he had an empty stomach, except when he was sick, except when he was at the bottom of the rung as far as his vocation or something. And that's the greatest preachers in the world. When we get that bad diagnosis, when we get something that's unexpected, when harm and pain come to our lives, then and then only do we look up. That's exactly what he did. And he looked up. He looked up to God. And he sought to worship him too will discover to go back home because now he was homesick. That's what this was. There was a homesickness there, a strong, strong thing. A lot of people have the idea that when you come in this place, that this is a sanctuary. We're not in a sanctuary, ladies and gentlemen. We're in an auditorium. Auto meaning voice, toro means bull. It's where the bull expresses himself. It's an auditorium. You hear and you speak. But when you and I walked in this place as we are in Christ, we were the sanctuary. Your life is a sanctuary. My life is a sanctuary. The sanctuaries walk into this auditorium. In the Old Testament, where'd you find God? In the tabernacle, in the temple, the Shekinah. That's where God dwelt in the New Testament when the church came into being. Where do you find God? It's in your life. It's in my life. Christ in you, Christ in me. There's the sanctuary. There is the temple of God. When I first came to Second years ago, we had smoking circles all around the church. Remember those? Oh, there'd be men smoking after Bible study, smoking circles all around the church. I can tell you, all of those men that I knew during those days, they're all dead. I can guarantee you that, every one of them. <laughs> I can name names. In that smoking circle, there was someone who taught Bible, a Bible teacher in the church. And he was out there smoking a cigarette. A friend came up and said, well, let's, let's, let's go in, let's go to church. It's already started. We're late. He said, well, let me finish this cigarette. He said, well, why don't you go in in church and finish the cigarette in there? He said, well, I wouldn't smoke in the temple of God. And his friend said, now, wait a minute. He said, the temple of God is not in the auditorium. He said, you are the temple of God and you have a cigarette attached to that temple of God. Incidentally, that was the last cigarette that man ever smoked. The temple of God. Wasted. Where's the far country? Anybody or any part of your life and my life that's not seeking to be lived in accordance and in reference to God. Give me 
wasted, running my own life. And then finally, this last section, it says, the prodigal came to himself. That is a great phrase. In other words, he was not himself. Now he came to himself, and look what he did. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. He'd start off with give me. Give me. That's magic, isn't it? That's magic. Jesus in the wilderness. The devil said, hey, turn those stones into bread. Jump off the temple. Jump off the mountain and everybody will fall. Perform magic tricks, Jesus, and boy, you'll get your life together. He rejected that. That is magic. A lot of people think being a Christian is magic. I prayed a little prayer. I was baptized. Therefore, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm going right to heaven. Salvation by formula. What does it mean when we pray that prayer? What do we pray? I receive in my life Jesus as my Lord, not as my Savior. He's our Lord, and then he becomes our Savior. In other words, I receive him and ask him to run my life, lordship. That's where we begin, that relationship with the Father that Jesus provides for us. He is Lord of our lives. Now it's not give me, it's Lord make me, and that's a miracle. That's the miracle. He comes in and makes you and makes me over and turns us around. He says, I will arise, get up out of the pig pen, and I will go to my father. And he put together a little speech. It's a wonderful speech. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven, sinned against God, and I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your boy again. I'm not worthy to be your son again. Make me as one of the hired servants. Now, a hired servant was those who just come in and work for a while and they'd be fired or they'd move on. Not an indentured servant, not a bond servant, just the lowest, lowest part of the father's payroll. Make me as a hired servant. I'm not worthy. So he came to himself. Anybody here need to come to yourself? Wake up, look around and say, hey, I'm not there. He came to himself. He got up and he went back and retraced his path and he was heading home because he was homesick. And the Bible says when he was a great way off, isn't that great? A long way off, the father looking up that road, couldn't recognize his son, his face, but he knew how he stood. He knew how he walked. And here we have in the Bible, the only place, a picture of God running. God's never in a hurry. Have you noticed? We wish he'd hurry up sometimes, don't we? But he never gets in a hurry. But here we see God running, the picture of the father running to greet that boy. And the boy has his little, little sermon ready. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he can say, make me as a hired servant, his dad had him embraced. And with tears and tears, the father said, bring a robe and put it on my boy. 
uh, put him back as a member of the family. Their robe will identify that. And bring a ring, a signet ring for his finger. That's credit cards. That's all the statue. That's all he needed to make it. Bring a family ring and put it on him. And put shoes on his feet. Slaves are barefooted. Sons and daughters wear shoes. And he said, we're going to have a party, said the father. He said, my son who was, who was dead is alive. And he was lost. And he's been found. And they had a celebration in this world that was out of this world. Man, the grace of God. Let me tell you the kind of church we have here. We have a church here that anybody can come from any background, any situation. If they come from prison or they come from the highest places of prestige in this whole country, Anybody who comes here anywhere, any why, any place, any country, any understanding, any brokenness, any sin, we're at a church where we say, welcome home. You're a part of us. We're glad you're here. That's who we are, the second family. G.W. Robeson was on a train years ago and he was moving along. He noticed across the aisle from him was a young man, middle 20s. This young man, he noticed, would get up and walk around, and he would look out the windows, and he was very restless. And he said he watched him, and finally GW looked over at him and said, Son, uh, is something wrong? I noticed you're really nervous and on edge. He said, Yes, sir. He said, any way I could help you? He said, I don't know. He said, I don't mind telling you what's wrong. He said, five years ago or so, I was at home with my family, a teenager. He said, I hadn't been living the way my dad and my mom wanted me to. I was in total rebellion. And he said, I got in an argument with my folks. There was profanity. And he said, I pushed my dad down. He said, my father get up and said, get out of this house. Your mother and I never want to see you again. You're not welcome here. You're not my son any longer. Get out of here. And he said, I got up. I got my stuff and I left. He said, I went out and did some odd jobs, moved away. He said, I ended up joining a gang. He said, I don't want to tell you about all the things that we did said, then we had a master plan to commit this robbery, but he said we were caught in the act, and I was sentenced underage. I got only two years. And he said, I got out about a year ago. He said, I wrote my folks little notes every month or so, never telling them what was going on in my life, but he said, I wrote a note about two weeks ago and told my folks that I'd be on this train. And I'd be coming this way on this particular train on this particular day. And he said, that train goes right by our little farmhouse. He said, I told my folks if they wanted me to get off at the next station. And they'd let me come home one more time and look at their face one more time. He said, if they'd let me do that, to take a, just a white cloth or a rag of some kind and just tie it on the mailbox. From the train, I would see it, and I would know that I could go back home. 
And he said, we're coming around that curve. He said, sir, I don't know if I can look to see if that little white cloth is there. He said, I'm I'm just very emotional. And GW said, son, you just sit over there. I'll look for you, and I'll tell you if I see that little white cloth on the mailbox, and then you'll know you can get off and go home. You just look the other way. I'll let you know. And he said, sure enough, the train came around the tracks. He said he could see a little house in the distance by the tracks. He said the closer he got, he saw not only was there a white cloth tied to the mailbox, but there were white towels tied all to the fence. And he said, all on the posts of the house and the side of the house and said they'd taken the white sheets and they'd hung it there on the clothesline. And he said, I looked at it, it looked like it had snowed. That little house was covered with a sea of white. And he said, I looked at the young man. I said, son, son, get up and look. He said he stood. He got very emotional. He said he couldn't say anything, and the boy nodded to him, and he got a cheap suitcase out of the top, and he started down the aisle of the train. He said the train slowed down the next curve and said the boy didn't wait for the station. He just jumped off that train. He said the last time I saw him, he was dragging that little cheap suitcase up the hill and said the white sheets were flapping. In the breeze. Anybody here away from home, away from God, isn't it time to come home? You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Well, before we leave you today, Dr. Young is here to answer a couple of questions coming out of the message we've just heard. Dr. Young, you said that the world loves to lie to us, and particularly to this generation. What are some of the biggest lies this generation has bought into, and how can we counteract them? That is a question you could write 10 books on. How do you interact with the lies? First of all, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All truth is of God. All truth is of Jesus, and anything that's peripheral to that uh, doesn't stand up in the 21st century. I was speaking last Sunday on the Psalm 11:3 passage. If the foundations are being destroyed, what do the righteous do? The righteous simply do that which is right and put their lives on the basis of biblical truth which we get that not only from the Bible, certainly there, but also in our relationship with God and Jesus Christ, which keeps us as individuals, as families, as organizations, as companies, as anybody, anywhere, on a solid rock of truth. Very helpful. Thank you, Dr. Young. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Now, it's great to have Dr. Young right here in the studio to answer a couple of questions today. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.